Is it on? Yes. If the door says pull, I push. If it says open, if it says insert your chip, I swipe. I just tend to do the opposite of whatever, whatever I'm told to do. So God keeps me humble. Amen. That's one of my prayers is that God would keep me humble so that he could use me. That is my prayer. So it is such a delight to be with you all today, to have this opportunity to share. And I just want to tell you that I love you. I just love you. A lot of times during worship, I'll stand up here and I'll look around and I'll look at the faces and I'll say, oh, she's here and oh, she's here and oh, they're here. And I'll see my friends, I'll see, um, and I can't call everyone's name, but I'll see my buddy Steve back there. And I'll see Claudia, and I'll see Miss Barbara, and I'll see George that I've known maybe 20 years, and my heart will say, oh, they're here. It makes me so happy that you're here. And I'm just so um, at peace to be a daughter in this house and to share what God has given me with my family. You're my family. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have my, my blood family with me. I have friends here, but you are all my family. And so that just excites me so much. And I love you. I just want you to know that. And if I don't know you yet, I want to know you so I can love you. So I'm going to talk today about, um, we could put this slide up. Someone that we know, let's see, and his name is Michael Thornton. So Michael Thornton has been a pastor here, excuse me, just a minute, Jesus, let it work. Okay, we're getting close, so if you guys got it. Okay, so on the left, you see the picture of Michael Thornton. There he is. He's been a part of this church for seven years now. And during those seven years, we've seen him. We've touched him. We've looked upon him with our eyes. We have heard the message we have sh he has shared. We have experienced this man. So what would you say that his message is? How would you sum up his message? Just toss it out to me. Revival, unity, yes, unity, racial unity, love, what else? Healing, redigging the wells. When I spent some time trying to summarize what his message is, it's redigging the wells of revival through holiness, and he preached about holiness, and unity. This man has a message. We've seen him, we've heard it, we've touched him, we've experienced him. We know his message. Well, there was another man that came, and his name was Jesus. And there were disciples that spent time with him. They touched him with their hands, and they saw him with their eyes, and they heard what he said, and they experienced him. And one of those disciples, his name was John. And there are many places that the Bible explains who Jesus is, like John 1 or Colossians 1, but we're going to look today at 1 John. So if you will turn with me to 1 John, and we're going to learn a little bit about what Jesus' message was. Just like Pastor Michael had a message, 
that we could summarize. The author of 1 John describes the message of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, and I add, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the word. Concerning the word of life, Jesus. Verse 2, the life was manifested. Jesus was made real before them. And then he says, we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, Jesus, which was with the Father and manifested to us. And then he repeats himself, what we have seen, verse 3, and what we have heard, we proclaim to you. And then he tells us why he's going to tell us all this. Verse 4 is the why. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And then he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So you've heard these verbs repeated, what they had seen, what they had heard, what they had looked upon, what they had touched with their hands. They experienced Jesus. John 1:14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was experienced as a man. So let's look again at 1 John, and if you look on your handout, this should be there. The verse part of verse 5, he says, this is the message. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. What do you think that message was? Of all that Jesus had said, think about the Sermon on the Mount. Everything he had said, the Last Supper, all of those parables he told, all of those discourses, those sermons that were hard to understand, all the miracles they saw with their eyes when they touched him, the nail-scarred hands, what was the message? Walking in the light? Somebody's read ahead. What's the message of Jesus? There are no wrong answers here. Love? But he's going to tell us how he, <laughs> the beloved disciple, John, the one closest to Jesus, who knew his thoughts, who had been with him, he's going to tell us what the message of Jesus is. My best friend is here. I could tell you what her message is. It's have fun and love Jesus, right, Nicole? He had been with Jesus. He knew the message, and this is what he says. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. That surprised me. This is Jesus' message. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. And when I read that, I was like, what? That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That's not Jesus' blood was shed and paid for my sin. Why is that there? Not what I expected. That was not how I would summarize Jesus' message. Not how the best friend of Jesus would summarize the totality of his life. What he did, what he said, how he lived, where he went. God's light. God's light. So what does light mean? What is he saying? 
Like, why didn't he say God is merciful or God is love or God is grace? Why? Why did he choose this aspect of the nature of God? He's explaining God to us. Why this aspect? Why light? Why not grace or love or power, goodness, kindness? Why did he choose light? Well, in the Bible, light is a metaphor for righteousness and holiness. So when we think God is light, what this means is God is good, God is pure, God is holy. In God, there is no darkness at all. God is light and so is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. One of his seven I am statements in the book of John, John 8, 2. And then he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. God is light. Jesus is light. Thank you. So let's jump down to 1 John 1, 7. This should be on your handout. And we're skipping around a little bit in 1 John because if you read it all consecutively, <clears throat> excuse me, it's confusing. So we're skipping around a little. If we walk, <coughs> excuse me, if we walk, it says, but if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So the context here, I learned this scripture as a memory song in college, and I always thought it meant we have fellowship with one another. Like, if I walk in the light, I've got fellowship with Lisa and with Doug and Judy and with Rob. I've got fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But I learned in my hermeneutics class how to understand the context of a passage. And if you study the passage, he had just said, our fellowship is with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. That's verse four, I think. So the context here is fellowship with God. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. All right, what does that mean? What does, what does that mean? So my friend, Pat Bradford, we've been spending time together for about a year now. She is my friend, but I don't say, I've got fellowship with Pat Bradford. I say, she's my friend. She's been a companion. We're working on a more intimate relationship. We share the struggles of our hearts. She's a partner. She partnered with me today and helped me to carry the load. I don't tell you, I've got fellowship with Pat Bradford. I say, Pat Bradford is my friend. So what does fellowship really mean? That's kind of a nebulous term. What does it mean? If you study the word fellowship in the Greek, it means things in common. I've got some things in common with Pat Bradford. We're both joyful. I had to pray, Lord, how silly can I be on the stage today? Like how much of Lisa can I let come forward? Because there's a lot of bubbly joy. We're joyful. We both love the mountains, and every time Pastor Tom preaches about the coming war, she and I look at each other and say, we're just going to go to the mountains. We're going to flee to the mountains. <laughs> We've got our supplies. We both have a love of lemon-filled shortbread cookies from Earth Fair. So she and I have things in common. We have a friendship. 
So if we walk in the light, this is on your handout and on the slide. If we walk in the light, what that means, we have an intimate relationship with God. He's our companion. He's our friend. And some of you that may not have had a, 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 God, a father figure who loved you unconditionally like mine did, you may have a hard time grasping that. But it's true. If we walk in the light, you can have an intimate relationship with God. He can be your companion. He can be your friend. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. But there's an if. If we walk in the light. So this is my niece, Megan. She doesn't know I did this. I don't know if she's watching me live on Facebook. But this is my niece, Megan, and her new boyfriend, Richard. They came to stay with us for my son's graduation and a graduation party a few weeks ago. But on May 21st, she posted on Facebook she was in a relationship. She's in a relationship. And that's the name of this message. It's God is in a relationship. So I took her, I took her picture. And I have God is with Lisa Morgan Moore. God the Father is in a relationship with Lisa Morgan Moore. The whole Godhead. Like God the Father is in a relationship with me. He is my friend. God the Son Jesus said, I am with you always. He is my friend. God, the Holy Spirit, he has given me every word I'm saying today. Because on my own, I can't do anything. Like, he's helping me not to fall down the steps. That's my big prayer. That's my big worry. Catch me. <laughs> if I fall, I fall on grace, right? That was, my, that was the song Hannah sang. God is in a relationship. This is the good news. This is the gospel that God is in a relationship, has a friendship with us. And we see this in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New. We see in the Old Covenant, I've got a couple cross-references for you. Ezekiel 31, 33. I will be their God. They will be my people. If you want to know what the heart of God is, it is that. I will be their God. They will be my people. It's what he has wanted from the very beginning. We see it in the New Testament where it talks about the new covenant in Hebrews 8, verse 10. Again, he says, I will be their God. They will be my people. The heart of God is to be in a relationship with you. That is the heart of God. He wants to be in a relationship. So we see these messages throughout the Bible. God is light. God is holy. God wants to be with us. A couple cross-references about God's holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, for I am holy. That's New Testament. Leviticus, back in the law, Leviticus 20, 26. Thus you are to be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. So putting it all together, what is he saying? He's saying God is light, 
you need to be light. You need to walk in the light. What does that mean? It means we need to be holy. Why? Because God wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. So we're to be like God, which is holy. Why? So we can be with God. This is not about rules. This is not about relationship. It's about relationship. Be like God so you can be with God. So in my home, I have these things called solar tubes. It's like a um, skylight, but they're just these long tubes that the light comes in through the roof down to my ceiling. I have the most solar tubes, the last time they counted, of any person in Wilmington. I believe I have seven. I have to count every time. I believe I have seven because every year when we would get a tax refund, I would get a new solar tube. And they have tax credits, so I think last year I got two new ones. And Brian and I, we don't argue very much, but we've argued about solar tubes, haven't we? And he finally said, Lisa, you're in the house all day. You get as many as you want because he thought we had enough and I still wanted more light. So in Charlotte, someone has 10. That's my goal. I've got some places like already wired for the solar tube for when, when I can get it installed, the next tax refund. But this is my new office that we've just put together and I'm so happy. It's pink with bunnies and flowers and birds, a happy place. So I love light. If you love God, you're gonna love the light. Why? Because God is light. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. I think that's what the transitive property of some kind of math thing. A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. If you love God and God is light, you love the light. But you can't love light and darkness at the same time. Just like you can't walk north and walk south at the same time, you can't love light and darkness. They're opposites. You can't love them both at the same time. Most of us are somewhere in the middle because the truth is we have a sinful nature, I believe. I believe we have a sinful nature. And so we are a mixture of light and darkness. I've got a quote I want to share with you. It's from this book. This is um, one of the books I'm using in my seminary class about... Um, uh, what's the name? See, I get up here and the words leave me. Formation. Spiritual formation. It's called Kingdom Life. And there was a professor named Dallas Willard. And this is what he said. We struggle in a world of darkness. And some of that darkness is in us. We are in the process. We are in the process of spiritual formation. What does that mean? He says, which a disciple of Jesus goes through to progressively remove the darkness within us and around us. Spiritual faith formation means the process we are in of becoming like Jesus. Because Jesus is light, 
and we start out with darkness and we're on a journey we are in a process of being made like Jesus and that process is walking out of the darkness into the light we're all on this journey you're on it I'm on it we've all until we meet Jesus and become like him there's gonna be a little bit of darkness still in us there are a lot of things that happen in the darkness we pick our noses in the darkness we adjust our undergarments in the darkness but there's other things that happen in the darkness what happens in the darkness gossip happens in the darkness did you hear what pastor Tom did happens in the darkness adultery happens in the darkness embezzlement doesn't happen in the light it happens in the darkness cheating on your taxes that's when you're alone at home in the darkness what about things of the heart racism happens in the darkness pride happens in the darkness greed anger unforgiveness addiction drugs promiscuity abortion those things happen in the darkness back here in the darkness so if we're in the darkness then we're not loving God because you can't love darkness and light at the same time our sin the things we do in the darkness what it does is it disrupts our relationship with God that's what it does it gets right in the middle we've all experienced that where we're going along things are good with God we sin and then we feel guilty and ashamed and it, we kind of crawl on our knees back to God and say I'm sorry do you still love me sin disrupts our relationship with God we can't be in the light with God and do things in darkness at the same time that word fellowship means in common so if we're walking in the darkness we don't have anything in common with God maybe we used to but when you're walking in darkness you don't have anything in common with God now I just want to be honest I'm a grace girl I did not want to talk about sin I started writing my message one way and it landed on sin I was like uh, I don't really like that I'm, I'm sweet I just want to be sweet God just let me be sweet and let everybody like me because what I said was sweet that that's who I want to be and then I started going another direction writing it a different way and guess where I landed the same place and I said okay but what I'm talking about today is not about rules it is about relationship and this is what the Lord spoke to me as we kind of argued because I didn't want to go here he said impart to my dear ones my desire to be with them God wants to be with you that's why he wants you to walk out of the darkness he wants to be with you I will be their God they will be my people it's not about okay Jamie didn't say her prayers this morning and 
Jenny, she didn't text somebody to say she was praying for him. And Gary, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> and David, oh, David was a really bad boy. He thought a cuss word on the way to church. You know, that's not with the, what this is about. Listen, I prayed that I wouldn't say anything really bad up here, so we are not going there. <laughs> oh, I got myself in trouble the last time I preached. God wants to be with us. That's what this message is about. So I want us to look back at 1 John 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 9. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. This is on your handout as well. That God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him things in common, and yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. Remember, you can't do both. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So as we talk about sin today, my job is not to convict you of sin. My job is to share a message that God gave me, but it is Holy Spirit's role to convict you of sin. That's what the Bible says. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin. And as I'm speaking, you may be thinking of something in your life. It might be one or two or three or four or five things. An area of sin. And Holy Spirit may be pointing a finger and saying, we need to work on this a little bit. What about your jealousy? What about your anger? What about your pride? What about your pornography? But the good news is that if Holy Spirit is pointing out something to you, it's good news. There's a quote by Graham Cook. He said, when Holy Spirit, can you do the next slide, Alicia? When Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, he arrives with a grace package to enable you to overcome that sin. So if Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now about an area of darkness, he has come with a gift to enable you. That's what grace does. It enables us. He's coming with a gift. He's knocking on the door and saying, hey, Lisa, let's deal with that shopping addiction. I hope he's not saying that, but he might. Here, Lisa, let me fill you up with more of me so you don't want things of the world to cover up your hurt. When Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, he comes with a grace package. So it's not a bad thing to be convicted of sin. He knocks on our door and says, here, let me help you. Now, I've been saved 28 years, and I realize to most people I look like who knows what I call myself? The sweet little church lady. church lady. Everybody thinks that Lisa's just the sweet little church lady. 
that she was always into her little pink Bible, and she was always just so sweet, and she would touch me, and how are you today, and she would text me. But my best friend is here, and she knew me when I was far, far, far from the sweet little church lady. She knew me before Jesus. So it's taken like 27 years of God to transform my life from someone who did drugs and someone who got drunk at a lot of parties, someone who was promiscuous, someone who looked at pornography, someone who was a thief. That's who I was. That's who I was. It's taken 27 years for God to deal with those areas. And he's dealt with what we consider the biggies, but we're still working on the sins of my heart, my greed, my vanity, my pride, my anger, my jealousy. He's still working on those things. So when we talk about sin, I want to break it down into occasional sin. Like, oh, let me think. There was a lady that walked in with a hot pink sweater. Oh, where'd she go? Let's say it's jealousy. Someone comes in with an outfit that I really want, and I'm jealous. And I want to be like them. I want to look like them. That's a sin of my heart. And I can repent and say, God, I just repent. I thank you for what you've given me. I'm content with what I have. I don't need that. I need you. I don't need that to cover the hurt in my heart. I just need you. But on the other hand, there's habitual sin. And that is when you look at the pornography and the next day you say, God, I'm sorry. I'll change. I won't ever. Oh, my gosh. I prayed so many prayers of, God, if you will just blank, remove the consequences of my sin, I will never do it again. And then the next week, I was doing it again. It was habitual. I knew it was wrong. I knew the truth. Yet I did it anyway. So I don't know where you are if you're struggling, struggling with habitual sin or an occasional sin, but let's look some more at 1 John 1, verse 6, about walking in the darkness. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. So this, where it says walk in darkness, I want to look at what does that mean? So in this, in this verse, walk is in the present tense. It means it's something, well, this is how you walk. <laughs> it is something that you continually do. It's saying if you continually sin, if you habitually sin, if you keep sinning over and over and over again, then you lie and don't practice the truth. You can look at a couple different translations that pick up the nuances of that Greek verb walk in the tense. The Passion Translation translated as, if you keep walking in the darkness. The Weist Translation calls it habitually ordering. <laughs> if you habitually walk in the darkness. So I wrote the Lisa Morgan Moore Translation. 
If we claim that we share life with him, remember, if we claim we have things in common with God, fellowship with God, but keep walking in the darkness, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living the truth. If we keep doing it when we know better, So if you are in that position and you keep doing it when you know better, when you know the truth, then you don't have anything in common with God. You don't have fellowship with him. Let's put it that way. You don't have that intimate relationship or friendship. Because even though Jesus has set us free from sin, sometimes we just choose to stay in our chains. It's easier to sin. It's easier to indulge my flesh. It's easier to give in to what your flesh craves and desires. It's a lot harder to say, no, I'm not doing that, and I'm going to walk in the light. So I want to give you some steps of how to walk out of darkness and into the light. The first one is confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's confessing to God. <laughs> the harder step is James 5, 16. That's where we confess to someone else. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. And my friend Carrie Henderson isn't here today, but she and I have confessed some awful things to each other. Right down here during worship, I have confessed some things to her that no one else knows. And I don't want anybody else to know because they're, it's bad stuff. Thoughts. The enemy's always trying to seduce us into sin, to draw us away. But when you confess it, suddenly it doesn't have the power that it had before. Confess your sin. Establish accountability. When Brian and I were dating and engaged... We didn't do things the right way. We did not have a pure relationship, and we knew it was wrong. So we did something about it. We went to a couple, and we said, hey, we want you to ask us every week, have you been sexually pure? Because we knew if someone was going to ask us that, we were going to say yes. We established accountability. Brian is an accountability partner for me because in my house, I have some prescription drugs that could be addictive. And when I take one, I tell him, I have accountability that protects me. Get some help. We offer prayer after services. We have prayer ministry that helps you peel the onion of your past and your sin and your story and your trauma and learn how to walk in the light and in the truth of who God says you are. Go to Celebrate Recovery. That is a Christ-centered 12-step program. It is like the safest place you could ever go because people there, they're just willing to admit their sin. Oh, it is so freeing. Get some help. So those first three steps are about establishing community to bring in other people into the areas you're walking in darkness so they can help you out. That's what the body of Christ is for. Step four, 
flee immorality. 1 Peter 2.11, he says, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. Sin is fleshly lust, things that we long for. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee. But that doesn't mean just casually walk away from. Flee sexual immorality. Now, sometimes getting free from sin is a long, hard, uphill, discouraging battle. Some of you might be there right now. And you just have to hold on to hope. Just have to hold on to hope. Because sometimes even Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Romans 6, I believe. I'm always afraid I can't remember scriptures up here like Pastor Tom does. (laughs) You're amazing. Romans 6. And when I was in college, after I found Jesus, there was one sin that I just couldn't get free of. Four years, I struggled. My heart wanted to please God. My flesh failed. Grovel back to God. Oh, God, I can't believe I did that again. If you'll just do this, I'll never do it again. Two scriptures that help me. 1 Peter 5.10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, himself, he's not delegating this job, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. After you've suffered, God himself, he will do it. He will make you like Jesus. That's what perfect means. 1 John 3, 2, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, we know that when he appears, we will be like him. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he's pure. So as I would set my hope on Jesus coming back to make me pure, it says if we have that hope, it purifies us. This is hard. There are going to be days when you're victorious and days when you fail. Days you get it right and days you don't. But I want to give you three things for encouragement because I've shared with you the hard part, but there's hope. There's help. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Preachers usually stop right there. But there's a next verse that is the end of that sentence. Because God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. God is always at work in you to make you willing. And able, thank you, Jesus, to obey. You're not alone in that journey out of darkness. He's always at work in you. There's grace. Dallas Willard defined grace this way. It's on your handout. Grace is God acting in our lives to accomplish what we can't accomplish on our own. Grace will help you do what you think your flesh could never do. Grace could help you fast for 40 days. I've seen it done. I've not done it. (laughs) Grace helped me not to wear makeup. I think the first two weeks I came to this church, Holy Spirit said no makeup. Ooh, that was hard for me. Grace helps us do what we can't do on our own. 
And then there's a throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. There's a throne of grace. And lastly, there's an intercessor. You know, right now in heaven, Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, and he's got some tasks to do. And one of his tasks is to intercede for you. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25, it's talking about Jesus being our high priest. Jesus holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, Hebrews 7, 25, he is always able, he is able, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to make intercession for them. I like to say it this, this way. Right now, in the presence of God, Jesus is making intercession for you. It's his full-time job. He always lives, always lives to make intercession for you always lives and we also know that holy spirit intercedes through us through with groans that we can't even understand so what i want you to know is this god is light god wants a relationship with us if we walk in the light, like God is light, we'll have that relationship. If we walk in the darkness, something comes between us. So walk out of the darkness. Wherever you are in darkness today, I wanna encourage you to take a step. There's an area in my life that is a work in progress, and that is my struggle with anxiety. About two years ago, I thought I was going to the mental hospital. It was that bad. I wondered, is Brian going to take me or do I call 911 or how do I get there? Because I had taken all the medication I knew to take and I was still, my body was out of my control. My heart was racing and I couldn't breathe and you feel faint and you can't talk. And even this morning, I had two panic attacks. Not about preaching, but when I multitask, it does something. But I'm better than I used to be. I used to have to take medication twice a day just to function. Now I'm at maybe twice a week. Some days are great, some days are hard, and when it's a hard day, I'll just say it bit me today. It bit me. <laughs> but it's a journey, and walking out of darkness is the same way. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back, but the whole time, we're walking towards Jesus and being made like him through trials and tribulations, through the word, through service, through fellowship. We're being made like him. And one day we will be exactly like him. One day the battle against sin will be over and we will be just like him. Why does God want us to be like him? He wants to be with us. He just wants to be with us. So I encourage you today Walk out of sin so you can be with God. It's a message of hope. There's help. It's not about rules. 
It's about being with God, and there's no better place to be. Amen? So we're going to transition into communion. If someone could help bring the table over. I put communion at the end because isn't the table the best place to deal with sin? And the Word tells us to search our hearts before we take communion. Search our hearts. Repent. And I had some scriptures to read from Hebrews 9 and 10, but Pastor Tom told me, I think the rate is $100 a minute for every minute I go over noon. I called him and I said, what happens if I go past 12 o'clock? And I think he said it was like $100 a minute. Is that what you said? At least. And, you know, I'm paying, we're paying for college. Can't do that. So I just want to summarize for you Hebrews 9 and 10. What it says is in the past, the high priest had to sacrifice over and over and over again to pay for sin. And it didn't work. They'd have to be back the next year. But what Jesus did, Jesus, there was just one sacrifice. One was enough. One was sufficient. His blood was enough. His blood was better than the blood of calves and heifers and goats. One sacrifice, and it says for sin. Some places I think it says for all sin. And the priest had to go over and over and over again, but it said Jesus sacrifice was for all time like there's no more sacrifices for our sin so i like to call it the one four four. Oh, i didn't do it right one, one four four there was jesus one sacrifice for all sin for all time and that concept helped me get free of all the guilt and the shame for my own sin that weighed me down because Jesus' one sacrifice paid for all of that past sin, and there was a heap of it. Paid for my sin today, places where Holy Spirit may have said, do this or do that, and I didn't do it. Pays for my sin for next week. One sacrifice for all sin, for how long? For all time. It's paid for. Whatever you've done is under the blood if you know Jesus as your Savior. If you don't know him as your Savior, please come see me after church and let's pray so that you can. But as you come to the table to receive communion, as we receive the body and the blood, we are receiving and remembering his one sacrifice that paid for all of your sin, all of your sin, forever. Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. That's us. He's made us perfect, complete, and whole. So Jesus, we thank you so much today for your, for your body. We thank you that you shed your blood and it was sufficient for all of our sin. We thank you that when you shed your blood on the cross, you made a way for us to be friends with God. You reconciled us to God. You redeemed us. We thank you for that sacrifice. And so today we remember that. We remember you and we thank you 
And we just declare that your blood is enough for all of our sin. We thank you for that sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'll come down the center aisles, make two lines and then exit that way. And if you have a disability or it's difficult for you to stand in line a long time, please just come on up to the sides and, um, and receive communion. Thank you.
Thank you so much. I want to invite the ministry team to come forward. And if you have an area of your life where you need prayer today, we would love to minister 
to you. And I also want to remind you of the taco lunch fundraiser that's taking place in the cafe immediately after service today. So thank you so much, and God bless you. Amen.